As we age, we all look forward to enjoying retirement, picking up new hobbies, and spending more time with family and friends. Still, of course, we also face changes in our physical, mental, and sensory abilities, which can hinder our confidence in completing everyday tasks, such as driving. With the number of people on the road increasing, cars going faster, and more distractions than ever, it can be hard to remain safe on the road as an older driver. My name is Dora Hayes, and I'm 77 years old. I was felt capable of doing what I needed to do, but it just, I didn't seem like I was in control. Having to do two or three t- things at the same time, stopping, you know, and watching where you're going, just the ability to react faster than it used to. That seems to be the hardest part. For many older drivers, driving a car is a symbol of independence and freedom. It allows them to stay active in their community by seeing friends, going to doctor's appointments, and shopping for groceries. I like to drive. I like to be independent to do that myself. And what I do is if I know that I need to go somewhere, I always make sure that I go early during the daytime and daylight so that way I don't have to drive at night and be doubtful. As we continue to see more and more older drivers on the road, are there more solutions to this issue than just taking their keys away? Are there tools and technologies they can use to operate a vehicle safely? Registered occupational therapist Aylin Scholl Davis joins us today to discuss AOTA's Older Driver Safety Awareness Week and what some safe travel options may be for older drivers. She also shares how occupational therapy practitioners should identify an individual's unique challenges and how to find personalized solutions to allow an older driver to remain independent. Hey, Aylin. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you for speaking with us during this very important week and what I can imagine is a week you look forward to all year. Um, We certainly do. This is a wonderful opportunity to bring some important messages to the forefront, to public awareness, and a chance for our partners and stakeholders in this area to um, collectively get the message out. And you know, there's always more power in numbers. So you have been working on this for quite some time. Can you share a little bit of the history behind AOTA's Older Driver Safety Awareness Week and why this is so important to you? The short answer to where we started with Older Driver Safety Awareness Week really was about awareness. Back in the early 2000s, um, there were some high-profile crashes where seniors were involved. And there was a lot of public um, messaging out there about um, seniors and testing to figure out who's an at-risk driver. And we used more, more harsh language like, who should we be getting off the roads? Well, the solution as we started looking into this collectively is it's a wonderful problem to have that we have an aging society. The problem is, is when we label change as a problem. And what we really need to do is look at solutions and opportunities for people. And that's where the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week comes in. Lots of resources were developed, education materials, family education materials, to help us understand what is changing about aging and what that has to do with our driving safety. And if we're going to create all these resources, we need to get them out to the community. 
And so Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, the inspiration behind it was really to start helping people on the um, professional and healthcare side and the community side and the consumer side to see what resources were out there that might address their particular questions. Going back to when you first got started in this, can you expand a little bit on what the data was showing us? Well, that's a really good question because, as I said, sometimes our uh, maybe even knee-jerk responses to incidents such as a crash might be sort of on the negative reaction side. And in fact, as we looked at the data, seniors are probably the safest drivers on the road. However, they are experiencing changes. And so we need to figure out how we can not think about stopping people from driving, but instead supporting their ongoing efforts to drive and get around. We have to broaden the term from driving to really driving and community mobility because driving is one means of transportation. We look at housing, we look at finances as we retire, we have to look at changes associated with our transportation so we can stay mobile, recognizing that there may be a time when our skill set to safely drive a car has diminished to the point that driving is no longer the smartest and wisest choice. So let's say I'm an adult child with an older parent. What are some of the red flags that I should be aware of? When I think of red flags for our parents, one, one statement I want to make really super clear is, first of all, we want to be an advocate for helping our parents stay mobile and stay as a driver if they can for as long as they can. In the same sentence, we all have to honestly look at our abilities and also plan to make wise and informed choices if we're experiencing changes that put driving at risk. And do you have any tips in how we can effectively communicate to our older parents? I really think, and I I get accused sometimes of being a Pollyanna, and I'm sure that that's true because I just am always seeing the positive in things. But I think we have to try to evolve this question as one one of abilities. It's not ageism. It's really looking at the facts. Clinicians, occupational therapists, physicians, don't take away driving. The disease process somebody is facing does. The kids, when they're looking at their adult parents, need to partner with their parents. I've got your back, mom. We're going to go to this appointment. We are going to explore what the options are, and we're going to make informed choices. So let's shift and make this a little bit more occupational therapy focused. How do you recommend practitioners can get involved in community mobility? What we hope is that occupational therapists will see that driving and community mobility is one of the IADLs that is foundational to our practice. We look at how people manage their occupations. We can't be engaged in our community unless we can get around. What we need to do is not try to answer the question alone. We need to find solutions that work in our community for our patients. And what are some of the specific evaluation techniques occupational therapists use in determining the level of care someone may need? It's a really good question. And if you think about kind of a hierarchy pyramid, if you will, the occupational therapist first routinely looks at vision, 
cognitive ability and physical ability. And then we put forth a plan to try to either restore the losses that are interfering with what they want to do or learn to compensate so that they can do what they want to do possibly in a different way. And for driving, we want to look at if a person needs an adaptation, whether it's for getting in and out of the car easier, all the way to controlling the car on the road. The next level of the pyramid is figuring out who needs to work on it at the next step. If we're working with somebody, let's say, who had a stroke, we want to make sure we're getting them as strong as they can be, because if they want to be looking at driving, they will get to the point in the process of needing to decide if driving with two hands will work, or do they need adaptive driving to drive with one hand? You can still pursue that, but for, for the OT to be thinking about how does what I'm working on now set them up for the next step where they want to explore their ability to drive. You mentioned some of these strategies such as adapted vehicles, new technology. What is the most common strategy that occupational therapists use to help people continue to live their lives safely? I think that's one of the hard parts about OT is we are very broad. But some the common underlying strategies we have is honestly connecting strengths and impairments to function. So if we look at community mobility for somebody who is no longer a driver, we might look at rideshare options and then think about their strengths and their limitations. In the driving arena, um, I like to make a point that let's say you have a person who is very active, but they now need to use a scooter and they live alone and the scooter is heavy. Do they know that they could go and have their vehicle modified and have a scooter lift put in their vehicle so they don't have that wear and tear on their body or maybe their loved one or spouse's body to be loading the scooter in and out and they are able to be independent with their mobility supported by mobility options. So when, when OTs think about our evaluation outcomes, we want to make sure that we not only tell them what we can do now for them, but tell them what might be possible. And you have had extensive experience in community mobility over the years. And I'm curious to know what have been some of the most beneficial technologies that have been introduced over the years? Well, when we look at adaptive driving, the, the technology for the installation and use of adaptive um, hand controls, adaptive gas pedals, the blinkers, all of those pieces has advanced a great deal. I think we also have technologies in our everyday vehicles that are very promising for seniors. CarFit is a project that AOTA has developed with AAA and AARP to help seniors benefit from the safety features in their vehicles. Vehicles have changed a great deal over the last 20 years trying to keep us safer, but and really it's a big but, we do need to have a basic level of understanding of how they work so that we can benefit from them. And can you walk us through a success story that you've been a part of? There's so many. It's really hard to pick. I know I had a phone call from someone related to CarFit. She'd had a, had a nerve injury and it was affecting her hands and she was having difficulty managing the seatbelt. And in further conversation with her, um, I found out she wasn't driving because her hands weren't working well. 
And unfortunately, the community of people around here, from the professionals and the therapist to the family, weren't aware of driver rehab. So here, this woman in her 50s was not driving because she couldn't use her hands. With a trip to the driving rehab specialist and one piece of equipment, she was driving just fine. I also worked with another individual that had had driving evaluations, a couple of them. He's a healthy looking man in his 80s that unfortunately had an advancing dementia. Even though he'd had two driving evals, which he had failed both, his license was literally and legally canceled, um, he was still driving. Because you see, his family was now in the role of needing to actually stop him from driving. He didn't remember his license was canceled. And the family dynamics involved in having to rally around him to love him enough to stop him from driving was something they needed more support to do. So I met with them and we met all together and we worked out a plan which I would call a cessation plan, how to help them actually um, remove access to the vehicle for this gentleman who was a danger to himself and the community. And, but his wife needed to understand and really take it into her heart that selling his car was a loving move. If someone is listening right now and they want to take the first steps in getting their loved one help, where do you recommend they start? Well, you know, you can check out the resources on the Older Driver Safety Awareness page because there's a lot of different resources. And I think the more we understand the breadth of resources that are out there and we don't just think everything's all about taking away driving, I think it might help that conversation feel healthier and more supportive. So going to the AOTA website, aota.org slash driver dash safety. We've organized the resources by day simply as a means to kind of, again, really show you the breadth from Monday where you're anticipating changes to Friday where you're staying engaged even if you're not the driver and really showing all these steps in between. And if you're really wondering and you're at the point you want data, you can look there for links to driving rehabilitation programs or maybe start with a doctor appointment and see if you can see your OT and say, I'm worried about um, near misses. They can help you find a driving rehabilitation specialist. And they provide the piece, that, which is the evaluation of performance behind the wheel. Not everyone needs that level. Many people do. And I hope the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week helps you feel like you have some access to what some of this information is. It has all the signs to tell me the door's not locked or I can get somewhere and I don't put it in, in park, then it'll ding for me. So it's got all the things to help make me be a good driver. Also, I can see better from the inside and out and I feel very comfortable in it. I really do. If you are an occupational therapy practitioner who wants to help clients with community mobility, visit aota.org slash older dash driver. And if you are concerned about you or a loved one's driving safety or community mobility, visit aota.org slash driver dash safety. Also, to stay up to date on AOTA's Older Driver Safety Awareness Week resources, make sure you follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn at American Occupational Therapy Association and on Twitter and Instagram at AOTA, Inc. Thank you, Aylin. Thank you. Bye-bye.